So we all got that thing of like, yeah, right, someday when pigs fly. You may have even been brought up in a way that like, yeah, right, someday I'll go to a church where they clap their hands or raise their hands or sing songs. Yeah, right, I'd, I'll never go. And then all of a sudden you found yourself here. We, we all kind of have those things like, yeah, right. And, and here's what I want to say today as we move into this subject of the Holy Spirit. I understand that we all come from a very different background when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, I think many of us, we, we believe it's very common or common ground for us to say, yeah, I believe in the Trinity, God the Father, Son Jesus, the Holy Spirit, I believe in that. But to give focus or attention to the work of the Holy Spirit at times tends to get forgotten in the church. Are you with me? And, uh, and so I want to say this off the bat. We all come from different places and different church backgrounds. As a matter of fact, as a staff, when we talked about how we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and what we're going to, you know, we have a whole different background even in our staff assembly. Uh, some unchurched, some Baptist background, me raised in church, just all different things. And the good thing about that is that's a good thing. Like, it's a good thing because we all need each other and we all need different perspective. It's okay if we all have a, I don't want anyone to come in here and be like, well, I only have this much understanding and I only have, it's good that we all have a different, are you with me? Yeah. And so uh, how you were raised, here's what I want to say this morning is this, how you were raised, because obviously, oh, this is how I was raised. Just because it's how you were raised doesn't make it normal. Let me say it like this. <laughs> Many people say, Oh, no, we, we do it like this, and we do it like this, and it's normal because we do it like this. Everybody else out there is not normal. Everybody out there is abnormal. It's like you actually start to learn this more when you get married. You were raised a certain way, and you're like, this is normal. This is how I was raised. But when you get married, you start to realize, even though it's normal to your family, it's pretty abnormal. So I get married, and my wife is starting to reveal to me that my family did some things pretty abnormal. I can assure you the family that I married into, there's some things that they do that they think is normal that is definitely not normal. <laughs> I promise you. And a lot of us have that same mentality, like when it comes to church stuff. No, this is how I was raised, and this is normal. I, I want us to wipe the, the, the whole slate clean. And I don't want you to form an understanding about the Holy Spirit or about what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit. And I don't want us to form that opinion based on how you were raised or what you think. I want you to base it solely on what the Word of God says about it. Let's just, let's wipe it clean and let's go, I'm going to dive in wholly to the Word of God and see what the, the Word of God says. And that's what I'm going to make my decision on. Amen. I thought about it like this. We really need to put on our thinking caps this morning. Uh, I think a lot of times if you're like me, even when I read like an article online, I'll kind of skim it just for the points. Like just give me the points. I don't want to read the whole thing. A lot of you guys, I do it too. Uh, you'll get instructions to build something. And your first hope is that you can figure out how to do it just by looking at the picture. That's best case scenario. Like, oh, I can do that. Pictures are clear enough. I can do that. And then second case, not the best case, but second case would be maybe if I can just skim a few of the you know, instructions, then I can put it together. And then, you know, it's a bad project when you have to like thoroughly sit down and read every step. Guys, are you with me? And I think we can do that in church. We can come in and listen to the pastor and we're like, give me a couple of the headlines. I like a few of the tweetable quotes, but I'm telling you, this is a subject that you need to sit down with the content and go through every step in your life. Like, remember in school when they were like, put on your thinking caps. Like, you, we need to do that over these next couple weeks and in these classes. We got to put this thinking cap on and pay attention and zero into what God says. Amen. So we're all from different backgrounds, and I brought a couple jokes about that that I think are pretty good that I want to share with you. 
to change the light bulb jokes uh, denominationally, I got because there's all these different denominations. We all have different beliefs. And so here's a few how to change. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? It takes 10, but only one of them changes the light bulb and the other nine bind the spirit of darkness while the one, you know, the Pentecostals. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Zero, because change. Wait, who said anything about change? <laughs> How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? Zero, because they don't use light bulbs because they use candles. Catholics don't need to change light bulbs. How many Charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Well, it takes one, and they already have two hands in the air. Charismatics are already, already there. The Church of Christ people, uh, they are not interested in changing light bulbs because there was no light bulbs in the New Testament. Therefore, it's not of God. This church is very to the point. Amen. I thought about this a little outside of the, uh, out of the thing here. How many chiropractors does it take? <laughs> Any chiropractors? Oh, we have two here today. Peasley Chiropractor. Oh, they're here. How many chiropractors does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, but it's going to take you eight visits. <laughs> And if you need to set those eight visits up, these guys here will take good care of you. And we should laugh about the different places that we come from. It's fine. I want you to know that's totally normal. Take the pressure off. We all have different backgrounds. All we need to be settled on is that we believe the scripture is true and we're going in the same direction. We want to see captives set free. We want to see people healed. We want to see God's work in our community. And so let's settle on where we're going and not spend so much time about, are you with me? And so that's what we're going to try to do over these next few weeks as we talk about the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to say off the bat. And, I, and really just even hold your amens and, and just don't say anything. Uh, think about it this way. If you believe God created us, he's got a plan for us. He sent his son to die for us. Jesus lived among us, showed us the way to live. And like the scripture says, said, I'm going up to heaven and I'm sending you the Holy Spirit your helper. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to send you help. If you believe that is in scripture, if you believe any of that, if you believe creation, if you believe redemption, if you believe any part of that, then you absolutely must believe that he sent us a Holy Spirit as something we should be functioning on a daily basis. Now we'll say amen, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I just don't want any distraction. I want you to settle in your heart that that is the pattern, that is the process that God established, created us, loves us, sent his son to die for us, raised him from the dead, and then upon leaving, sent us a Holy Spirit, our helper, who we're called to function with on every single day of our life. He's not a forgotten part of God. He is a everyday part of God that we get to have dwelling on the inside of us. Are you with me? So we'll go to the beginning here. There's four accounts at the beginning of the Bible of Jesus. Just we're setting up the church, how we're going to look at this stuff. There's four accounts in the beginning of the New Testament of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So we see how Jesus came to show us how to live. He died on the cross. He set us free. All those things are put in place. But then in the fifth book of the Bible, uh, New Testament, you have the book of Acts. It's a historical record of the start of the church. We're still a part of that church. So he came, he showed us how to live, he showed us how to be, he gave us all these truths. And, the, and then in the book of Acts, it's like, okay, now church, go do, go be, go operate in all that I empowered you to be. Yeah. Amen. 
And so what happens here, if you begin to look at the book of Acts, you see this is where the, they gather at Pentecost. You see the Holy Spirit is sent to them as they gather. What I'm trying to say is the launch of the church, the first plays of the church, very much involved the Holy Spirit. It wasn't people gathering together with the old teachings of Jesus, and obviously they revered the scriptures and Old Testament, all that kind of stuff. But what it was, was it was living out a leading by a Holy Spirit. No, not with me yet. You can say amen, or that's good, or anything you want to say, but staring at me like that is terrifying. But he's saying, like, the, 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 the whole, the book of Acts, the move of God, the, the hey, go do this thing, is very much empowered by the Holy Spirit. I thought about it like this. Uh, when we think about the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and God was sent. The Holy Spirit was sent to us on earth, which means this. The most important person on this earth today the most important person on this earth today, right now, is the Holy Spirit. It's not the president. It's not, it's not what the president does or doesn't do. It's not Elon Musk. It's not any of these great minds. It's not the most important person option, or working and functioning on this earth right now is the Holy Spirit. He's the busiest. He's the most powerful because he's a he. he and I'm not saying gender. I'm saying he is a person. God thought he is spoke of as a person. So that means he's alive and he's operating and he's doing work. Wouldn't it be smart of us to pay some attention to the most important person on the earth? We give attention to this thing and that thing and we spend time thinking about this and that. Shouldn't we spend some time wondering what the most important person on the earth would have to say about our life? How he would want to lead our day. Amen. So we're going to break down his name. I can't, again, because the class is coming up, I can't give you every single teaching. That's why we're giving ourselves to four weeks of it. But I want to just give you a few characteristics and nature of the Holy Spirit to hopefully inspire you to look into these classes and, and the Holy Spirit and what he would do in your life. Here's the hard part with the, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Uh, the translation is tough for English. Many of you have heard him either called the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And maybe you've either watched Christian television or grown up in a church where the Holy Ghost part, the, the wildness part of it was really made extreme. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen just some of the wild. And, and so the, we're going to break down his word here and his name because it has great meaning. Your name has significance and it has a nature to it. And so here's what I want to say too. Again, wherever you came from, whether it be Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever. Some of you, you know, you're, you're like, man, I'm good. I'm good. I grew up in that stuff. I understand. We use the Holy Spirit for everything. He helped us find parking spaces and, you know, my keys, you know, like you lose your keys. Holy Ghost, find my key. Like you guys were so much. Again, none of you. I don't know. That's just my family, I guess, or something. But strip, again, strip all that away. Let's really look at the meaning of his name and his nature and his characteristic. And again, I can't do a great justice because again, we're giving ourselves to the classes, but let's first check this out. So here's what happens is you have two different words in scripture over 800 times. The Holy spirit or Holy ghost is mentioned in the Bible, both in the old Testament and the new Testament, the old Testament and the new Testament both have different words. One's Hebrew. And then one is also in the Greek. And so when the English had to translate that, each translation ends up at either Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. But here's what I want us to look at. Uh, Ruhat in the Old Testament is the name or the word that we got for spirit. It means this, wind or breath or a violent exhale to, to, to exhale. 
actually the Jewish teaching, I'm kind of wasting some time on this, but the Jewish teaching has this really cool teaching, which I can't get into today, but they actually say that literally the way we were created, the way that we breathe says God. Like if they study your breath pattern, the way you inhale and exhale, it's the same as when someone says Yahweh. It's Yahweh. Like literally your breath pattern says the name of God. Isn't that crazy? And so you're talking about, well, that's the Holy Spirit. He is God. We're continually speaking of the Spirit as we breathe. Come on, somebody. So it's either wind or breath. It's translation of a wind or a breath or to breathe or a violent exhale. Well, look at the beginning. You see, in the beginning, I read you Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. He was there in the beginning. He's a part of the Trinity. God, the Holy Spirit, it's all there in the beginning. Amen. Isn't it interesting how when we were created, what happened? God formed us. He put us together and then did what to us? Breathed into us. This breath, he breathed. He, so interesting that ruach, this word of the Holy Spirit, is to be a wind, is to breathe. Uh, I love this. The New Testament is a Greek translation, is pneuma. So the word for the Holy Spirit or spirit in the New Testament in the Greek is pneuma, which means current of air or strong breeze. So doesn't that line up perfectly when you look at the day of Pentecost when they were called to gather in the upper room and it said that he came in as a mighty rushing wind? or breeze came in. And so there's characteristics that we look at of this wind, this breath, this nature of how important and vital the Holy Spirit is in our life. Obviously, translators couldn't call God uh, just breath or air, so they called him this Holy Spirit, this Holy Ghost, this, this thing that moves about even unseen. Does that make sense? John chapter 20, verse 21, I shared this last week. It says this, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. As I'm sent, I'm sending you. Well, how was Jesus sent? He was walking filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says, as I was sent, I'm sending you. Make sure you're sent with what? The Holy Spirit. You have to have it. You have this Holy Spirit is critical to, to living and, and being sent the way God has called us to be sent. Amen. So he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Four characteristics of wind that I want to talk about as we think about how the Holy Spirit functions in our life. And again, without being repetitive, I can't do it all. You got to come to the classes and get all these breakdowns. But four things that I think will inspire you. The first thing we need to know, number one, is wind is unseen. Wind is unseen. Uh, the last couple of weeks, or you know, of this week, uh, what has happened to our yards, or at least my yard? I know one day my lawn furniture went from this side to the other side, and then I think God nicely tried to put it back because a couple of days later the wind was going the other way, and it didn't work out. But but guess what? I knew, I knew something was happening in the atmosphere. I, I knew there was a moving and a shifting, and things were being arranged in my life, even though I couldn't physically see the wind. We've all, or I hope most of us have had that experience where you go, I couldn't see how it happened. I couldn't tell you exactly how it worked, but I know that there was something of God that moved from some stuff in my life from here to here and got me to this. Are you with me? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's unseen. It's an unseen thing that God does. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I thought about if you've ever been in a really stagnant place, maybe it's just so hot, you're just out in the sun or you're at this thing and you're just getting back. And then finally later in the day, the breeze begins to kick up. And you just have this refresh, refreshing, like, oh, 
finally, there's a, and we all say, a breeze. Oh, it's not so bad out because there's a breeze. I wonder how many of us say the same thing about our walk with God. It's like, I'm, I'm in a tough spot. I'm in a dry spot. I'm in a, a, just a hot spot. The heat is, but I'm so thankful that every once in a while I get that breeze of the Holy Spirit. Those are the things you can't argue. Those are the things that we all go, yeah, I can feel that. I can sense that. I know that there's something working. Amen. I would say it like this. There is an unseen yet felt nature of God. There's an unseen yet felt nature of God. And I believe that to be the Holy Spirit. You can come into this place dry and weary and come in and get that wind in your sails. You come in, you're just, oh, and you're fatigued. And, and you come in and you just get in the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit comes in and just blows new life into you. Amen. Amen. John 14, 16. Uh, this is at the Last Supper. And you've all heard me say this before, where uh, anytime you're going to leave somebody, you tell them the most important thing right before you leave. Or you at least remind them of it. And so for, you know, you've got a house sitter or a babysitter and you go, hey, so-and-so, the kids, you know, they can play with this toy. They can have this snack. They can do this thing. But the most important thing is what you say before you walk out the door. So you're about to leave and you say, and don't forget this. I'm going, but just don't forget this. This is what Jesus starts doing to his disciples and to us. Before at his last supper, before his crucifixion, the top of your Bible might say it like this. The promise, Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing about a promise. The reason you make a promise is because you want to make sure they know that you care, that you get it. Like, I'm promising you that this is going to happen. Why are you making a promise? Because it's so important and necessary. I promise you that this is going to happen for you. I'm making a promise because I want it to happen and it's important. So that's what Jesus is doing here at the Last Supper. He's like, hey, before I leave, I'm making you this promise of the Holy Spirit. And here it is. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. One scripture says, or helper to help and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives in you and will be in you. What it's saying here is this. This is a promise from Jesus, from God that you're going to have a helper, the Holy Spirit, forever. As a believer, you're saying like, hey, this is the promise. You're going to get help. What does that mean? It means he'll never leave you or forsake you. All those scriptures start coming into play when you feel like there's no way and how's this going to happen. You can say, oh, but that promise that he made at the Last Supper, that I'm going to have an advocate, a help forever. Are you guys with me today? It's a promise of like, it's not what you memorize. It's not how many studies you go to. It's that you have a leading of this Holy Spirit in all that you do. Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I said this last week. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Who was the God with Jesus? The Holy Spirit said he was anointed, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. God was with him. Obviously, he was God. You guys are with me. But the Holy Spirit was leading him with what? With power so he could go about doing good. If we're called to be Christ-like or imitators of God, then what are we called to do? We're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, going empowered to go do good works. Amen. Amen. I think about it like this. Uh, your cell phone, you may have a phone that functions well, right? You charge it all night, it functions well, and it, everything is in order in it. It's not broken, but that thing just can't make it to the end of the day on battery. You know, as your phones get older and 
you know, Apple starts slowing it down so they can get you to buy the new one. Because uh, you should buy the new one, because Apple, amen. But uh, <laughs> I almost have enough time to bunny trail, but I won't save it. Um, so here's the deal. So you got this, this what I love about this is they're, uh, they're going to go help out in kidsmen because you guys keep finding kids on the street and bringing them on a Sunday morning. <laughs> they, uh, oh, I want a bunny trail there too. <laughs> I mean, there's so many kids here on a Sunday morning that on Monday when I come back into work, still smells like Pop-Tarts and kid farts up there. I'm like, it's because we've had thousands of kids up there. Stop just dropping your kids off. (laughs) So the cell phone thing, like everything's in order. Everything's functioning. You've done all your study. Everything's put in its order. This thing just can't make it to the end of the day. Needs a charge. It's always running out of battery. Can't get there. That Holy Spirit is like that constant connection. It's just keeping you powered up. It's just keeping you empowered by his power. Are you you with me? Man, I've tried all that I could, and I've studied, and I've done it, and and all of that is good, and we worship, and we pray, and whatever, but we need to depend on the power of this Holy Spirit working on the inside of us. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. Shared that last week. We need that Holy Spirit power. It can't just be great speeches and slick events and all these things that we do, it has to be the Holy Spirit working in power. Amen. Amen. Number two, wind is unpredictable. You can't predict what the wind is going to do. Uh, out on uh, the runways of airports, uh, they, out on a pole, they put uh, these cone-looking things, and it's these flags that catch the wind. Why? Because it's critical for them to be able to pay attention to how the wind is shifting. Because it'll shift in the day, and they need to have their eye on that. Why? Because wind is unpredictable. And we as Christians, we like to put wind or the Spirit, we like to put it all in a box. And we like to say, you know, you need to operate just like this. And the Holy Spirit doesn't operate like that. Amen. The problem with putting God in a box or trying to keep it to a system is we then begin worshiping the system instead of our Savior. We begin just following the system instead of the Spirit. And so everything we do is just by what we can program. Uh, Many religions were actually formed and started this way. One man has a revelation or an encounter with God, and they build a system around that one man's experience. But the Holy Spirit can't be contained. It's, it's, It's like the wind. It's shifting. It's always moving. Now, I believe in absolute truth, and we have a statement of faith, and we hold to the absolute truth of the God inspired word. But I'm saying around that, you have to leave room. You have to make uh, space for the Holy Spirit to lead all of that. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 8, the word pneuma is in here. John uh, 3, verse 8 says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The word wind here is the actual Greek word pneuma. So you could literally place spirit in there. The spirit blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is always doing something new and something fresh and moving us into more. Because if he wasn't, again, we would worship the system or the structure. Now, we as a church, we value structure. We value, our prayer teams have, have structures to them. Our kids' ministry has structure. There's all these great structures to the ways that we do things because we believe if you don't have order, God's not going to show up and bless dysfunction. Amen. So as much as we love it, we also understand that we got to follow God. We got to make, are you with me this morning? And here's why you see God do this all throughout scripture. 
if all we did was build a system around every move of God, that means when he spoke in the burning bush, we would build a religion that says the only way God speaks is in a burning bush. And that's not true, right? Because you got to be following the spirit wherever he's going to speak, wherever he's going to lead. Another way that I thought of it is imagine the guy whose friend is blind. So he's blind and Jesus says to him, or his buddy says, hey, I know this guy, Jesus, he's healing people. He's laying his hands on the sick and they're being healed. The blind eyes are being made open. Let's go see him. So brings him over to Jesus. And uh, the scripture says that Jesus spit in the mud and put mud in the guy's eye and he was healed and he got sight. But now imagine that, probably a lot like us. Like, hey, buddy, I know you're blind, but I, I heard this guy, he's laying his hands on people and they're being healed. Nothing to worry about. Just come with me. It won't be weird. He's just going to lay his hands on you. Nothing weird's going to happen. Like some of us do with church. Hey, come with me to church. Nothing weird's going to happen. Right? Are you with me? And then, and so, hey, nothing weird's going to happen. So the blind guy's standing there and he hears like spit. Like, what was that? You know, he's like, what's happening? And then Jesus heals this and the guy's over here like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like literally, my God, what are you doing? You know, but heals them. What, what's the purpose of all that? What's the point of all that? The point of that is like you can't build an exact every time because then people will just worship the mud in the eyes. Mud in the eye church over there in Holland. You know what I mean? You got to follow the spirit. And that's why it's saying the, the wind blows where the spirit leads. Amen. God is bringing revival and it won't be just because of our incredible structures. Amen. My number three, wind is powerful. Point number three, wind is powerful. Uh, think about wind. Uh, I love that the scripture says that he came in as a mighty rushing wind. It talks about the ability to change atmospheres in a hurry. Think about the wind. It has the ability to, to sail a boat across an ocean. Literally, you can put men on this and fill it and supplies. And literally, the wind is so strong, it can push a whole ship across an ocean. Because wind has great power. It can send oceans upon land and destroy buildings because wind has great power. So when you're describing the Holy Spirit and the power, he's got great power to change atmospheres. That should make you happy. Amen. The book of Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, but you will receive power. That, that power of the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let's talk about it's a powerful wind. It's something that equips you to do great things, not passive things, not weak things, not, oh, if you would, if it's okay. No, powerful, come in, change atmospheres kind of spirit. Amen. Amen. Charles Finney, he's the father of modern revival in America. There wasn't a lot of revivalists in America. A lot of them usually happen overseas. But this guy, Charles Finney, in the 19th century, he was a very successful attorney. And uh, before he became a revivalist, he had everything tight and buttoned up. Like I said, his systems, his theology, what he understood was kept in a very clean box of his understanding of God. And it says uh, he was a successful attorney and he was also Presbyterian, had it all put together. And he literally would say this, that he was comfortable with the intellectual understanding that he had of God. And then as he began to dig and press, and uh, you can read about his life, that there was unhappiness. There just, he knew that there was more. He began to look into the things of God and, decide, and, and begin to discern the Holy Spirit and his work and how God wanted him to be used. And uh, he makes this statement about his encounter with the Holy Spirit. It says this, The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly 
that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. And as I was studying for this and some people who have wrote things about the Holy Spirit, I, w- I read this and I was like, man, what a great experience. This guy who kept everything in a box, it really goes with my point. Uh, he became the, you know, the Holy Spirit moved on his life. He became this incredible revivalist. As I was reading that, I literally said to myself, like, I can't share that experience with the church because as they're hearing me say it, they're going to think it's too weird. You're hearing about waves of love and immense like wings and a shot going through me. We all go like, oh, here comes the Christian television. He's going to start to get weird and we're going to all make a line and we're going to. And as I begin to like, it's like, oh, I better not share that part because they're going to start feeling this and that about it. I literally, the Holy Spirit, right? Literally to me, gave me this way to say it to you. Not only are you going to say it, but you're going to say it this way. Think about it like this. Let's say you text me or got a hold of me and nobody was in this building whatsoever. Nobody's here. And let's say you forgot something that you needed to come back to the building. And I said, yeah, absolutely nobody's in the building. You can run back in the building and get whatever you forgot. Just go pick it up. And as you're walking past this room, this room's completely empty. There's a sign just outside the door that says, if you enter this room, you're going to have the opportunity to experience waves and waves of liquid love. It's going to be like these wings, all these things that he just described. If you came in and gave yourself to an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you could experience these things. Nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know. No one's here. Nobody would ever know, but you're walking by and that sign says that you have the opportunity to come in here and receive something like that. How many know every single one of us would come in here and give that a try? Wouldn't we? The reason that we don't or the reason that we resist is because we start going, what's so-and-so going to think? What are people, what's going to happen? We start calculating all these other things other than what God is wanting to happen. Are you with me? Yeah. Isn't it interesting that we say, oh, of course, I would come in here and I would try to experience. I would stick my hand in that honey pot. Absolutely. But when God wants to move or when God wants to speak or when God calls us into something, a lot of times you go, well, I don't know, because we think of. Well, it's not how I was raised. It's not what I was taught. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. It doesn't fit in this theory. It doesn't fit in this box. But God wants you to stop worrying about what other things people think. Start worrying about what he has for you. Oh, I can't do that because so-and-so. Let's just worry about what God has for us. Amen. Amen. God wants to be powerful in our life. I'll close with this. Number four, wind is refreshing. The Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit, the fresh air of the Holy Spirit. And again, the classes are going to handle all the depth. We're going to really get into it. Uh, But I just want to say some of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit is he's refreshing to you. A lot of people think the work of the Holy Spirit or God calling you into following the Holy Spirit is some kind of oppression. Oh, the Holy Spirit, he's mad at me. He's always going to get me. He's always going to convict me. And he does. He convicts and he instructs and he leads. All those things are true. He refreshes us and he leads us and he breathes life into us. I was um, at a field trip Friday and uh, it was cold, of course, it's Michigan. So I'm wearing like a whole bunch of clothes and a jacket and gloves and field trip was over and I had a pastor friend of mine who really needed to have a conversation with me on kind of a serious thing that was going on. And so I'm in my truck, I started my truck and blasted the heat, full blast. But because it was a little bit of an intense kind of phone call, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I was basically cooking myself, right? I'm like on the phone, whatever. And so just the heat just is pouring and I'm all bundled up. So as soon as I get off the phone, I then realize like, my gosh, I'm getting cooked. So I start down the road. As soon as I get down the road, I just hit the window. It's freezing cold out, right? It's like 40 degrees, but that cold air hits me. And I'm like, what? I'm like, 
That's the Holy Spirit. That's how he works. He's refreshing all the pressure, all the stuff of life, all the... It's boom, like, oh, I can breathe that. I was made for this. Are you with me? Imagine yourself right now in very deep water, dark. You're just tumbling, drowning. You're just drowning. And it's going on. Many of you have probably gotten close to where it's starting to hurt your chest and you're like, am I going to drown? Some of us have had those experiences, but you're, you just see yourself now just tumbling, tumbling. You just can't breathe. You can't breathe. You can't. You, and then finally you break up out of that water and then it was made for you. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Just refreshing, just comes in and just breathes on you. Just, just breathes over you, refreshing. You don't gotta do it all on your own. You don't gotta make it all happen by your own hand. The Holy Spirit comes and just does what is made for you. Amen. Many of us have been told, you need to stay away from that Holy Spirit stuff. You need to stay away from those Holy Spirit people. But if anyone has ever told you to stay away from that Holy Spirit stuff or stay away from that, they're telling you to stay away from God. It's dangerous. If someone's telling you, oh, you need to stay away from that, they're telling you to stay away from God because he is the Trinity, amen. He is not unbiblical or outdated. He's never been more needed or necessary than right now, than the time that we live in. We should commit everything that we can to understanding and pursuing and developing that relationship with the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 2, 9 says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Bible studies, by your bumper stickers. By, no, it's by his spirit saying there's things you wouldn't believe it if you saw it. There's things you could hear that you wouldn't believe you're hearing all revealed to us through God's plan by what? By the spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to get to where God wants us to get to. Amen. And I love God's promise in Jeremiah 29, 13. You seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We can't leave a part of it over here. We got to seek him with all of us to get all of him.